Dan O'Donnell here. Time for another episode of The Difference. Alongside my co-hosts, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. It is our first podcast for 2024, an election year, a big year for the Federal Reserve and a tumultuous year coming off of a tumultuous 2023 global conflict in Eastern Europe as well as the Middle East, both of which have the potential to spill over into a broader regional or, some of all fears, global conflict. There is an election. There are all sorts of things going on. In fact, next week, all right, it's still hard to believe, Iowa caucuses. Mm Next week, January 15th, as we are recording this, it is Monday, January 8th, so one week from today. Dave, are you ready for the votes to start counting? Okay, technically not votes, caucuses. Yeah. Well, I guess they are still votes, but do you know how a caucus works? A lot of people don't know how a caucus works. You all get together in your caucus. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a raucous caucus. Basically, you all get together. And you do it in like a, a school or a church or some community gathering space, wherever your caucus site is. And instead of just going in and casting your ballot, having a little, you know, baked good mm. cooked by the local rotary, mm-hmm. uh, you get in a corner for whoever your candidate is. And they tally up the numbers, but then you get a chance to go out of your little corner and convince people from a different corner. Let's say you're in the DeSantis corner, and you're trying to convince people from the Trump corner to come onto your side. Then, when people have changed, it's sort of like a, a giant board game. It's like a party game that people do for voting. It's a very old school style of voting. I don't want to bore you and with I, the history I was a little of caucusing. Di- and Iowa is a little different, right, than some of the other places. Iowa is a little yeah. different than yeah. other caucuses as well. We won't get into the, uh, the fundamentals of that, but... But it does seem as though former President Trump has a significant advantage to the point where it would seem to be very difficult for any other candidate to have a real clear path at the nomination if they don't win Iowa. So you've got that going on, of course, and then you have have everything that's going to come out of that through policy. And remember, folks, if you've been listening, we have a $100 bet. You have Biden and Trump, and I'm saying something out of the ordinary is going to happen. It could be the Electoral College. It could be it's back to the Supreme Court. It could be a name that we haven't thought of. You know, no labels could have a lot of power going forward. Maybe another candidate could throw a wrench in this thing. So politics and policy are going to be a big part of it. But, you know, for sure there's news that's happening even most recently, you saw that Boeing had another issue. Issue? That's a polite way of putting it. The freaking door fell off mid-flight. <laughs> well, I guess that's I've never a bit seen that. of an did issue. You, did you? It's a slight <laughs> issue. You know what? You if if the whole financial thing doesn't work out, Dave. Yeah. You should be like a PR person. Spin, a spin, you you a should spin go into like crisis comms. Yes. Yeah. You know, the uh, Boeing 737 MAX had a brief issue. A young boy lost his shirt as a result of a technical issue on board one of our flights. The the kid almost got sucked through a gaping hole in their plane. Well, there's that. Did you see some of the video, by the way, that that started? No, I haven't, haven't, but I will now. Oh, my goodness. It it is absolute nightmare fuel. My wife is a a very nervous flyer. and No real reason. It's just like a weird phobia she has. And she, I, I swear, she was keeping me up by being awake all weekend because of the Boeing 737. It was an Alaska Airlines flight, and midway through the flight, they're at, I don't even know how many thousand feet up. I don't even want to think about it. 
it wasn't technically the emergency exit row because they had paneled over an old emergency exit door and just kind of moved where the emergency exit was. Well, the door that was no longer in use flew off the plane somehow. It's still obviously under investigation as to how. And a child who was sitting, fortunately not in the seat directly next to the window, but the suction of that was so great. It ripped his shirt right off his body. People had to like hold on to each other. It was just a, a terrifying scenario. Of course, the plane did make an emergency landing. Fortunately, everyone was okay. But it is uh, uh, about the most dramatic video you're going to see in Come this on. new year. That said, right. obviously, obviously, the price of Boeing has in the words of spinmeister Dave Spano, taking a little bit of a tumble. It's a little bit of a stuff about 7%. We'll see if they overreact and what happens to the rest of those planes. And, of course, Boeing is under pressure for sure. But, you know, the bigger picture is really going to be, you know, interest rates. And that is because, as we all know, policies that created inflation got away from them. And that was both monetary policy and fiscal policy. And as you know, I've said the Federal Reserve was both the arsonist and the firefighter in this example. So they did all of this, uh, you know, monetary policy process. They created all of this inflationary environment, and now they're trying to lower it, inflation. And it looks like they have done that. It looks like inflation has come down at least into what most people are saying, an acceptable level of increase. But, folks, inflation is the rate of change. It's not going back to where it was 24 months ago, and that is going to be a problem for the incumbent because inflation in the economy, it hasn't been handled very well. But now Powell has said we are going to pause with what the interest rates are. So we're going to go from a pause to perhaps a pivot. What does that mean? They're going to stop raising rates and perhaps start lowering the rates throughout 2024. The Federal Reserve is suggesting that we're going to see about three rate cuts in 2024. And right before an election, I find that interesting. The market thinks that it could be as many as six. I don't think it'll be that much because inflation really isn't totally under control yet. But that'll be the story, both policy Federal Reserve and politics. Well, the other aspect to this is if the Fed starts cutting rates too aggressively, doesn't that signal yep. Yep. a recession? I mean, doesn't that signal that they're terrified that the economy is slowing down? And one thing that I think should be pointed out, Dave, is every single jobs report for calendar year 2023 was revised downward and downward significantly to the total of something like three, 400,000 jobs mm -hmm. overestimated. It is entirely possible that the labor picture is not nearly as rosy as Biden's labor department is making it seem. Is there the possibility that maybe the Fed needs to act more aggressively because it's seeing an economy that's not nearly as robust as people might be led to believe? Yep and you're right on top of it. There's two things here. Number one, they probably need to pull back the interest rate slightly because they've over-tightened. And so lowering an interest rate tries to get us to a more neutral site. The second piece is if they are aggressively lowering rates, there's two parts of that. Number one is that they're seeing the economy begin to slow down and unemployment begin to go up. If that happens and it causes a recession before the election, it's lights out for the Democrats. And I'm not just saying that as a political comment. 
Go back and look over the last 100 years. Anytime there's been a recession in a presidential year, the incumbent loses. We don't want a recession, obviously, for the, for Americans. But that is what's something we're going to have to watch. Do they cut aggressively because it's slowing and unemployment is going up? Or is it just because they've over-tightened? And you can see a lot of these job cuts, by the way. You look at what's available for jobs. They are pulling the job openings or postings down. And so that is one way they're trying to control it. Pull the postings down. And then number two is perhaps not hire more, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have more unemployment. We'll have to see. That's really, you've nailed it. Let's watch those things as we go out, go throughout the year. But then, of course, you know, you know, this year, about 80% of capitalism is up for election. So not just here in the United States, but, you know, the yep. UK, you've got the EU, you've got even countries like India up for election. So this will be a story. And does the Supreme Court become the overwhelming story throughout the year? I actually think it is. And one of the reasons I'm I'm looking at this right now is what did the what I will call the 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 weaponized left, the special interest groups, the the pro-publica, dark money funded investigative journalism group that only seems to attack Clarence Thomas for a supposed ethical violation. They have spent all of 2023 attempting to delegitimize the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And I believe a lot of people on my side, the conservative side, believe that this is because uh, the Obama administration is sort of greasing the skids to violate court orders. Well, they're already doing that with respect to the student loan forgiveness, student loan debt forgiveness. What I believe this is about is that the Supreme Court is overly likely to overturn one to perhaps all of the convictions that Democrats might get against President Trump. Remember, he faces four different criminal cases, two federal, two state, one in New York, one in Georgia. All of these are on dubious constitutional grounds that these cases were brought against him. And there are any number of constitutional issues, even in the state cases that the United States Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in on, I believe, and again, this is from a partisan conservative, to ensure that prosecution of political enemies is not used as a tool to, as we're seeing now, get them off the ballot or to essentially make it impossible for them to win an election. So, yes, I believe, Dave, the United States Supreme Court is likely to be the story probably June to about September, October. Maybe because even into November going, post-election, yeah, maybe, right? Right. That's I mean, the if, other if there's, thing. If I there's mean, not we, 270 electoral votes, then what happens, right? It's going to go back to the House. I mean, yeah, so. it, Well, I don't think it's going to be that so much as I think there are going to be huge election challenges. And what's going to be interesting is for the party that says questioning the results of the 2020 election is a crime, what happens if they lose the 2024 election and go running to the courts to try to get that invalidated or overturned? I mean, we saw election in 2016. <laughs> right, they right, their election to, We saw in 2016 there was an active push to get the electors, the the actual members of the electoral college who cast their votes for president. You don't vote directly for president in this country. You vote for a a slate of electors who then meet on, I believe the date is December 14th, and they cast their electoral votes for whoever it is won the popular vote of that state. There was actually a move in 2016 because Trump is such a unique threat to democracy. They were saying it then. They were saying it eight years ago. Because Trump is such a unique threat, we want you, Mr. or Ms. Elector, 
to instead cast your ballot for Hillary Clinton. That's mm -hmm. about the most undemocratic thing I could ever see, the problem of the faithless elector. But will we see that? I mean, you have the potential for 2024 and to say nothing of all the unrest we're seeing in the streets right now with the pro-Palestinian crowd, what we saw in the summer of 2020 with the George Floyd riots. Let's not forget, Dave, the Republican National Convention is in our city. It's mm -hmm. in Milwaukee. Could we see a whole lot of unrest there, a la 1968 Chicago? I mean, it's going to be when, when I say... And yes, this is self-serving because I host a political talk show that you have got to be following every single day. I mean it. This has the potential to be one of the more interesting, newsworthy and consequential years of our lifetimes. Yeah. And I think there's no question that the political and policy chaos that's going to happen throughout the year is going to have an effect on people's portfolios because people are going to say, hold on a second, I just don't want to take that kind of risk. And at the same time, think about where we were in January of 2023 when everybody was very, very bearish and, you know, the depth of the recession that was going to happen yeah. in 2023. And then you deliver returns of plus 40% in NASDAQ, S&P above 20%. So it is always crawling this wall of worry. So if you've heard all of this and you want to jump off of a building, the market goes up on a wall of worry, likely to happen in 2024 as well as interest rates come back down. Because at the end of the day, if you're a company and you sell more stuff, whatever your widget is, if you sell more of that and you create more net income, we can put a multiple on that that does have the valuation question come to mind. That is how you create a portfolio. Is it stocks? Is it bonds? Is it cash? Right? Are you getting paid to have cash now? Is it alternatives? That all goes into your portfolio, where you're invested, why are you invested there, and as importantly, how much you're paying for that. That is something that we can help with. This is going to be a fun year in 2024, my friend. Yeah, and I can't wait to do this podcast each and every week. We talk on my radio show each and every week. It is going to be fun. We talk about the intersection of politics and economics. This is the year that it's probably going to intersect far more than ever before. And we are going to be here for you here on The Difference. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And make sure you head to AnnexWealth.com. Because in what is expected to be a year of incredible uncertainty, you want a steady hand working with and for you as a fee-only fiduciary, looking at your portfolio, telling you what you own, helping you understand why you own it. It's a wealth metric, a review of your portfolio. It's free. It's available at AnnexWealth.com. For Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex, I'm Dan O'Donnell. You've been listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be considered as tax, legal, or investment advice or recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.